The Forum at 8 on SAFM. And on the forum at 8 this morning, we're going to be asking the question, who are the young leaders of tomorrow? Our guests are in the studio, Dumisane Klope, researcher and chief executive officer of Gunjalo Center for Development Research. Good morning to you and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Good morning. Tato Mereke is a columnist and founder of African Youth Secretariat, a youth empowerment and social development organization. Tato, good to have you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And Simamgele uh, Lagavu runs a social enterprise which is aimed at developing rural and township youth in South Africa and is also a television producer. Welcome, Simamgele. Uh, Thank you for having me. Good morning. Let's start first uh, with um, describing what is leadership and not taking it for granted that everybody understands what leadership is. Uh, let's start off with you because uh, you wrote quite a lot on the subject, uh, Dumsani. <coughs> Yeah, I think in the last few years I've been very fascinated with the subject of, of leadership, so hence quite a number of articles which I've developed uh, recently. Uh, l- leadership is um, it's quite broad. It has got a various definition, but at the end of it, it's somebody who has got the ability uh, to state a vision for a collective. There must be a collective which is being led. Uh, for a good future, an idealistic future, and someone who has got the ability to convey that message, be charismatic, and have the ability to have people following and act upon that vision uh, and dream. But let me just qualify that in most cases we see the ability to lead as something good. Leadership may not always be good. You can lead for horrible reasons. Uh, Hitler is one of them. Idi Amin is one, another one of them. Um, so, so it is the, the ability to lead does not necessarily mean that what you are leading for the end result is necessarily good. But as a society which is optimistic, idealistic, and wants something good for society to happen, we associate leadership with something good in taking people to, let's assume, to a promised land. Mm-hmm. Tato, is that uh, your understanding as well? of what leadership is. Yes, very much so. I think, basically speaking, leadership is just a a position of social influence that one may hold in a society. And that person will be a person that people are able to follow because that person will be able to guide those people and direct them in a certain way, as well as being able to enlist the help of um, other components of society, such as uh, funding, um, and and resources to achieve a common task in in that society, whatever that 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 task may be. So a leader must be s- someone that people will e- be able to trust and and follow for guidance and directives. Smamgele, your take on uh, leadership? Um, obviously, I agree with the points that were made, but I think fundamentally, what leadership is is to be about service. Uh, and love because um, as one of my favorite African proverbs says you cannot love them you cannot lead them if you don't love them so I think leaders um, in every field especially in politics should love their people and that should inspire their leadership Mm. Now, as we speak, uh, sometimes when we talk uh, leadership, especially when it comes to youth, uh, a lot of people will jump uh, to the conclusion that 
do we have political leaders that are going to take this country to another level? And uh, it's not only about politics, because uh, with uh, politics, uh, then you lead also the business sector, you lead education, you lead all of those things. Do we have such leaders, do you think, in South Africa currently? Political leaders. Um, Do we have capable leaders? um, In general. In general. Um, I think we do. In our youth circles. I think we do, and I meet them every day, and they inspire me every day. Um, Well, like you said, leadership is not only defined to the political sphere, but I think we also need to um, expand our definition of what is political. Uh, Because I think that a lot of young people today don't understand the power of politics and how it impacts on business, it impacts on you know, the NGO and civil society sector, uh, it, infa- it impacts the media. Uh, and I think my hair is political. I think the clothes that I wear is political, where I decide to, to spend my money is political. So first and foremost, we need to, um, I think young leaders of today need to not run away from politics, but they need to embrace it so they can shape it instead of complain uh, about the context. So I do, like I said, I, I, I feel that there are young leaders in this country, but where whether it is young leaders like Luvuya Mandela, who just tweeted me, who is in the civil society space and the social entrepreneurship space, where it's young people who like in the SABC anchor, Dumelo Mututuane, um, you know, crafting a way for young people in news and current affairs. Young people, are, young leaders are all around us, but they're not united and they're not organized and they don't strategize um, enough for a common vision. Unlike the youth of 1976 and unlike the, the youth of the Black Consciousness Movement, um, leaders like Steve Beagle, young people today are not organized towards a common goal and a common vision um, that will lead us into the next phase of our democracy. Why is that the case, uh, Tato, you think, that uh, we do have these leaders, uh, but they operate uh, in their own corners, in their own separate silos, and not united, as, uh, as Mam Gale says? <clears throat> I think Simam Kele is right because the the base of youth leadership is the same. We all have common tasks, common challenges, and common goals. So young people need to come together to work together for the common good. I don't. I, I really can't say why they're working in isolation. It's a it's a problem that Simam Kele and and other young people. Uh, where we've we've met and spoken about the same challenge, have tried to address. Young people find themselves isolated. I think because of the the structures that they come from, those th- those will be social structures that have gone on to inform their mental structure. That you know, um, first I have to work for myself before I can I can enrich the next person, which is the totally a wrong approach to to take when when dealing with the kind of challenges that South Africa faces. And in South Africa, we live in a country that could rise and fall, depending on just that, the quality of the leadership that we have. So what we need to do is inform the young leaders in South Africa the right way, show them the right way, um, inform them using a certain resourcefulness that will move the country forward. And we need to do that by beginning an intergenerational dialogue that Simam Gellet referred to um, and looking at where we've come from and where we need to go and marrying those two together. Mm-hmm. 
And do you think uh, we have those leaders? It, it's a... Uh, I think they, they make a very interesting point. I mean, uh, like I was saying that uh, the, the youth of today is not that united in terms of their leadership. But here's a big contrast. The example that we mentioned around uh, the, the Steve Beakers, you know, the, the, the 1976 generation, for example, uh, those were the times where the, the communication technology was not so advanced. And yet here were the people that had the strong ability to mobilize and galvanize. And in fact, their visibility was extremely far much more visible than we are today. Uh, I mean, today, right now, we are on Twitter, on Facebook, and whatever social media that, you know, someone who doesn't have access to a typical radio could be listening to us from, from, from TV, for example. Now, now, so so for me, that's a, a huge contrast because it speaks to two things. One, the question of situational leadership. You know, what type of situation produces, you know, great leaders with influence? And influence is one of the key objectives of, of leadership. And what situation does not produce that? And this, for me, is a serious contrast because today, uh, my influence should be far much easier to make than somebody else who lived in the 80s. And yet they were very, very prominent. So the question for me is, uh, in a post-apartheid South Africa, what will be an ideal type of mm-hmm. a leadership mm-hmm. that commands a serious following you know, to, to a greater cause? Lovely question. Uh, and I don't think we have deliberated you know, uh, on that issue. And I think part of the problem is that in the... The situation of apartheid brought up leaders in a manner that were for more forward-looking and driven by the collective good, or what in politics we call a greater good. And I think in a post-apartheid you know, society, there's a whole lot of individualism rather than the drive mm-hmm. for a greater good. So we are, we are highly unlikely to see leaders that have got an appeal to a mass scale and influence in a post-apartheid South Africa because the, the, the aspect of individualism, if I do something, the first question is not what does it mean for the whole lot of us, but it's what's in it for me. That kind of a situation does not produce greater leaders. So with, with due respect, in this country as I see it now, Unless things get so horribly wrong in this country, we are highly unlikely to see great leaders emerging. Why mm-hmm. is that the case, Santora? Why are you saying that? Well, you asked. <laughs> 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 uh, look, like I said, if you study uh, hero leadership, for example, you'll realize that it's in terms of the struggles that the heroes emerge. That's when, you know, the likes of uh, Samora Marshall as leaders have emerged and, you know, became outstanding. But in the age of peace, it's very, very difficult because the situation says, what are the things for me? People are more concerned, leadership at that time, in the age of peace, is more concerned about stability and order rather than changing the situation to a greater height and all of that. One typical example, you, you'll see in the ANC documents, for example, they are lately writing about the need for radical economic transformation without necessarily defining it and, and, and guiding society in that direction because the, the, the leadership's primary preoccupation is the here and now, is stability and order 
uh, and all that goes with that. And the same has permeated, you know, to the youth structure, for example. Unless the situation, like I'm saying, becomes terribly wrong in this society, it will be very difficult to get outstanding leaders, leaders emerge. But what we are likely to have is role models rather than... So we, we are sitting with the great role models in this room who have got leadership abilities and capacities, but the situation does not necessarily allow them to emerge as this big torch. Yep. Uh, Let's pick up uh, on uh, what uh, you just mentioned. Uh, You said uh, we are in the age of peace, uh, but uh, others would disagree and say Mm. that, uh, you know, we have uh, a huge battleground. Uh, We have uh, uh, social ills that we have to battle with. Uh, We have uh, a crisis in education. We have a crisis uh, when it comes to unemployment and those kind of things. Definitely. Um, I'll I'll kindly disagree with, with my colleague over here. Um, I think the situation is dire. We are the m- one of the most unequal societies in the world. Um, and that translates into gender inequality, economic inequality, racial inequality, and inequality to access to basic resources. And I think those statistics, as they stand, put us in a crisis. Mm-hmm. And, and I think with the emergence of... Um, People like political parties such as the Economic Freedom Fighters that are saying that our democracy um, it has not translated into the the economic you know benefit of the majority of the people. Um, it speaks to a vacuum that young people. Um, how old is Julius? Madam, thirty four years old. Um, we certainly the spokesperson is twenty twenty nine years old, thirty years old. These are young people who are not leading not only. Uh, tomorrow by their leading today and uh, other young people 1.1 million voters that 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 voted for them and this speaks to a fact that young people are not waiting for tomorrow to to galvanize politically and they're doing it now because the situation demands it definitely i agree with simam kela i think historically speaking we have found ourselves in a system that marginalized a lot of people it worked for a few five million five or so million and the rest were just helpless bystanders in the system and today um, many people still living that um, mental enslavement it it has been a dehumanizing system so to go forward I think we should we should be talking about leaders of today and what they need to be to go forward I think we need to find young people need to find the dignity and they need to find the confidence to rise above their circumstances. Uh, Further than that, they would need to take an active interest in their surroundings. Young leaders of tomorrow are those whose visions go beyond um, the entertainment that we see, the bling-bling society, the capitalistic um, materialism that we see. They should rather take an active interest in knowing more about um, what's happening in the international community because after all we live in a globalized system they should vote they should know who the political leaders are who, who what, what are the different structures and, and, and spheres of, of public governance they should be involved in sports and environmental awareness they should t- take active interest in their very own communities by persevering to start their youth foundation get people off the street um, get, get get the dialogue going, get people talking, and most of all, they should do service. And I think that that's very important. 
Tato Meraki is a columnist and founder of African Youth Secretariat, a youth empowerment and social development organization. And uh, Dumisan Klope is a research and chief executive officer of Gunjalo Center for Development Research, as well as Simamgele Lagavu, who runs a social enterprise aimed at developing rural and township youth in South Africa, and also a television producer. We're asking the question, who are the young leaders of tomorrow? 891 is the telephone number to dial. SMS line is 34701, and we'd like to hear your comments. Uh, we'll be taking those uh, in a short while, but let's go to the calls. Donna McCollin is uh, with uh, Leadership 2020 and joins us uh, this morning. Good morning to you, Donna McCollin, and thank you for joining us. What is your understanding of a young leader? My understanding of a young leader is someone, as Dumisani said, who has a vision, not just for their own life, but also for their community, also for their province, also for their country. So as Tata was saying earlier, it's not just about personal empowerment. It's about, right, what is the vision for my life? And then how do I go into service around taking that vision further into the community, into my province, into my country, into the world? Do we have leaders uh, with such attributes currently who are in the public eye and uh, who are youthful? I think we certainly do, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm very, very proud to be, you know, part of Leadership 2020. And um, as an example, DJ Sabu is uh, the man who started this. And really it's about empowering young leaders. And he himself has taken his celebrity, his you know, own personal empowerment, his own vision for his life, and then translated and said, how can I help others? How can I be in the service of others? And I think that's what true leaders do. It's about servant leadership. It's not just about I'm personally empowering myself, or it's not just about because I'm in a position of power, I demand it. Is it only people in the public eye that uh, we should be looking at, or do we have uh, leaders also uh, that are not uh, being, uh, maybe who are not uh, so much in the spotlight, and who deserve actually to be in that spotlight? I think that there are millions and millions of leaders in our country that we don't know about, that are grassroots levels, doing the most incredible projects, doing the most incredible things. But as Dilusani said, Uh, earlier, we're now in an age of technology where suddenly, if you are doing those great things, if you are leading projects, whatever they are, you can start tweeting about them, you can start Facebooking about them. And so suddenly, in the last four or five years, because of something like Facebook, because of social media, we're starting to see those stories. But I certainly think the traditional media is not giving enough voice to the incredible stories of these grassroots, grassroots leaders. I mean, I'll give you an example. There's a wonderful young woman, young, she's 19, who is um, searching for an organ for herself, right? She needs an organ donor, and her name is Jenna Lowe. And through that vision, she hasn't just taken her own vision, but she said, right, how can I include other people in my vision? I'd like to get well, but how can I include other people? And so she started a campaign through social media, and because of her campaign, there are now 4,367 people that have donated organs or, or, or decided to become organ donors. So it's not just about your own personal vision. It's about how do you include others and help and, and bring service to others. And there are millions of people around South Africa doing that. But as um, Simangela said, it's about how do we get cohesive? 
How do we start dialogue circles? How do we collaborate with each other to form really comprehensive programs? Donna, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Let's go to Chris uh, in Johannesburg. Uh, welcome, Chris. Hi, well, okay, thanks very much. I think my, my shortest definition of leadership is a person who is daring to invent a, a, a desired future. And that is what we currently are really short of. But I do also agree with the last speaker that uh, we do still have young people who are daring to, to start up certain things. And uh, there are many in South Africa. It's just that they are not given space. And I wonder if... Uh, we, we are not suffering from what many describe as the big, the big man thesis, that we want to look up to a particular person because to all of us, leadership is still confined within the political framework, that we only see people as leaders only if they are defined within a particular framework. But my question uh, to, 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 to your guest there, uh, any one of them, is that shouldn't we also, in the same way that you guys define leadership, shouldn't we define youth? And, and the, the basis of that is, is, is an, a 19-year-old who is starting in a university is youth, and a 34-year-old who has divorced or has a failing career and so on is still regarded as youth. Shouldn't we begin to relook who you, young people are that we are talking about? Because to me, uh, those are two different stages of life, and, and really mixing the two, you are definitely not going to have people who are going to inspire a particular uh, are not going to share a particular outlook of the we've future. Got, we've got that point, uh, Chris, and I'll put it through to the panel. Yeah, Asantiwa, Institute of Africology in Guazul-Natal, welcome. Happy new season, and what a pleasure to hear good-thinking African young people this morning. And let me tell you, times a thousand young people are speaking like the ones you have in your studio, Brother Ike. And as an, the Institute of Africology, one of our main aims is to liberate the minds of African young people, children, so that they can really understand the geniusness of being African. And if you are going out of the context of your on Africanness to understand leadership, then that's where it starts. But the brother touched on a very important point, that this country needs to start looking on this whole issue of rites of passage, because we have just not started out the rites of passage of young people. I do not believe that after 30 you can be called a young person. You know, the Africans had a very clear system of rites of passage, and we have chosen some haphazard way of calling young people until 40. Maybe it is from the community where it says life begins at 40 so you become an adult. I don't know. I need to give some response to that. But one of the key things Kwame Nkrumah said to young people, and the young people in your audience said it just now, organize, organize, organize. You cannot stay in your silos, young people, and make a difference. You have to want to spend time with young people in Uganda. You have to want to spend time with young people in Senegal. You want to spend time because... Our world as African people is not bordered by these artificial boundaries of, of South Africa. And we need to also learn that African leaders exist from time immemorial without all these other influences. And we need to be diligent and logical about our irrational situation over the last 500 years. And the response of leadership that I believe young people need to start thinking. Spread your eyes out and learn from the other African people across the continent who have yeah, never Asantiwa, been... Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Uh, thank you for your input and we're going to put uh, your points across uh, to our panel. 
Um, I'd like to pick up on Alcola's point here at Tasiwa, which I think was very important. Um, as young people, we need to move beyond um, the colonial borders, you know, because South Africa is a colonial border. Uh, we need to learn from our history as a continent and we need to learn from the mistakes and um, and the, the the successes of our previous leaders. Um, I was having a conversation with my classmates at WITS and realizing, reading Kwame Nkrumah, reading Biko, uh, reading Samora, that we're having the same conversations that they were having, for instance, when they started the African Union. Why are we still having those conversations? It's because we're not learning about their mistakes. We're not learning about their successes. And we're not organizing beyond that. So I think... The future of Africa lies in institutions such as the African Leadership Academy, which has organized young people from all over the continent and diaspora and brought them into their campus in South Africa to teach them and to connect them uh, to their African roots so that we create the next generation of African leaders. Now, let's come to, to today's question. Who are the young leaders of tomorrow? Do we have them? Do we have a short list, if we were to look at that, who might influence the course that this country is going to take? Tato, let me start off with you. We don't have a short list. I think <laughs> young, young leaders of today are everywhere. We, we meet them, we, we see them, we hear them wherever we go. And these are just people who have a vision, who have been able to sit down and draw a roadmap. These are the people who know that education is very important and it's a it's a number one driver of social mobility, especially if you come from a, a marginalized uh, black society such as ours. These are the people that um, innovate and inspire others to do, to do the same. And I think young people should be able to again rise from their circumstances and take on the mantle. I think the, the, the question here is, uh, you do mention that there are quite uh, a number of them, but are they in structured organizations, organizations uh, that uh, are going to be, are they infiltrating the organizations from within to try and make the difference? Uh, do we have such people currently? We, we do have such people, but it's a, it's, a, it's a small number. Many of our young people are still trapped in, in other things where they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. But we do have those young people, in, more especially in the urban areas. Simam Gale? Yeah, to get on to that point is that the, the DG Murray Trust um, released a report um, in 2011 called Interrogating Youth Leadership and Development in South Africa. So, and they found out that young people in South Africa are not organized. Young people in South Africa are not in civil um, organization, sports organization, whatsoever. So um, about 80% of young people in this country are not in any organization whatsoever, whether it's a book club, a girls club, or just an organization at school. And that's a problem because it means that we're not utilizing the strengths of young people in a coordinated manner. And I think that's a challenge for institutions such as the African Leadership Academy. I mean, um, the National Youth Development Agency, that they need to reverse that. They need to work on that immediately. Look, for, for me, it's a situational issue. Uh, like I said, um, pre-'94, the situation was so that it, it required that people act towards a common good uh, for all of them. I mean, they had nothing to lose in the main. Post-'94, uh, 
the, the, the emergence and growth and the entrenchment of individualism has taken forth. And the, the biggest question that many people ask is, what's in it for me? Mm. It's, ve- it's, it's, it's a whole lot of a nightmare to organize and mobilize people when that appears to be the driving force in society. So, so right now, um, I think Tato Eleoni was talking about materialism and showing off, uh, you know, having sushi on the bodies <laughs> of, 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 of young, vulnerable black, you know, women. Uh, you know, you have to be honored to be all of these things simply because of the material things that, you know, you, you possess. I mean, who, who, who do we know a lot about? Is the Mpisanas and all of these people of this world. That we take, what, and then what are they known for? Is the material possession and ownership that they have. So, so what, what, what is it that this society is entrenching in the minds of young people? They are saying that, you know, in the next three days you can be a millionaire. You can drive that hammer and that cabriolet and all of that. And that's the dominant thinking. Now, it's a nightmare to mobilize and have a sense of organization and a, a direct towards a collective good when the system itself entrenches individualism and materialism and is showing off such that you have arrived. But wouldn't you say... And unless we change that mentality... Mm. then what Samkel is talking about is going to remain to be a problem. The difficulty to mobilize the young people towards a common goal because the dominated thinking is what's in it for me. Now, she did mention earlier on that uh, when when she was describing leadership that it's about service and it's about love. And doesn't that come from within without uh, the agenda being set uh, by the media and uh, other influences? No, but I, we, we can remove the aspect of influence in terms of our societal outlook. What I perceive of myself and my role in society is probably what I have observed uh, in the broader society at large. This is the, so it, 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 even great leaders, maybe that's the question that at some point we should ask whether they are born or they come out of the, the, the circumstances in a society. So, so from, from where I'm sitting, uh, we are beginning to have a very, very strong role models in the various different sectors of society, good leaders. But we, we, we are lacking in terms of that unifying figures that are going to take us into the promised land. So my father is a priest, that's why I keep saying the promised land. <laughs> Well, let's go to the lands uh, now. Uh, Roy in uh, Kempton Park. Uh, good morning to you and welcome. Morning, Ike. Um, Ike, I, I think Mapengu and, and the lady have just uh, are spot on. You know, what the problem is now is ambitions from the, from, from the, from the youth. Uh, you know, you'll hear people rising up wanting to lead either political or what. But if you try to follow their track record be, uh, behind where they came from, grassroots. There's, if you talk these days, they've just talked of Twitter and all that. Today you've got this institution, your your, your leadership institutions, it, uh, at tertiary institutions, you've got this SRC and other things, NGOs. But if you follow the track of youth, they don't participate in these things in the grassroots. But all of a sudden, one wants to become a leader, wants to lead political. That's where the problem, I think ambitions are taking over than the basic things that are supposed to, do, to be happening where you could identify that this one at one stage 
will be a good leader. Thank you. We've got uh, your point, Roy. Thanks for calling. Sigin Runback, uh, welcome. Uh, good morning. Thank you very much, Ike, and, and good morning to your uh, panel. Uh, I wanted to ask them, uh, where do our future leaders really come from? The ones that matter, the ones that pull the clout, that, that get appointed to the SAAs and the ESCOMs and the presidency, where do they really come from? And, 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 and who is grooming them? Who has been grooming them? Has it been Tony Yengeni, or has it been Jacob Zuma who was grooming uh, Julius Malema to become uh, the future uh, uh, leader, uh, knowing full well what kind of his history is, that he uh, bullied even the BBC in public well, you, on television? You're done with your question, uh, Sig? Beg your pardon? You, you wanted to find out who's grooming who. Uh, who is grooming our future leaders? We've I got think that. we should not draw them from the ranks of COSAS. We've got uh, your point, uh, Sigin Runbeck, Felix in Nelspreit. Good morning, thank you for taking my call. Welcome. Yes, I just wanted to say that uh, sometimes we, our, our obsession with the future is a little bit uh, distracting us from the present. Yeah. Because there is actually no future anywhere if there is no present. So, we should be more focused on exactly how are we living now, how are we creating our future, because life can only be lived now. Take the instance of the Pakistani uh, young girl, uh, Yusuf Malala, who was who they attempted to kill. She's a young girl, but she's already a leader in my own eyes. So if you are going to be a leader in the future, you have to start now, and we have to start who is actually grooming our future leaders now. Felix, Without uh, now, there is no future. Thank you, Felix, for your input. Alistair in uh, Harrismith, you are a blogger, you are a young leader, and uh, we've spoken uh, quite a lot about uh, exposure of leaders and uh, them taking place uh, in uh, structured uh, formations. What's your take? Hi, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I was listening to what you guys had to say, and from my perspective, what I believe is uh, it's all about opinions and uh, education, as you said. And I was at uh, the SIA Young Leaders Conference earlier in December, and um, there was 54 of us from around the country, and we were all uh, representing our schools and representing ourselves. And we were, we tackled the um, the development goals, the sustainable development goals. And we, what we found was um, that education is such a massive part of not only the youth but also everything around us. I mean, um, problems such as, um, as, for example, something like. Uh, water sanitation that can be combated with a, a plethora of things for example but education is the number one thing that can combat that and uh, an array of other things and if you look at the um, charter that we came up with that we handed over to the um, Department of in- Environmental Affairs you'll see that in e- each one of our committees uh, edu- educational environmental social we came up with the edu- um, education has to be such a big part of that and also, um, what that what that one man, sorry, I didn't catch his name, said about um, where do our future leaders come from, and um, they're grooming, uh, sorry, they're grooming, who's grooming them? I think it's not that, uh, say, for example, Jacob Zuma's grooming them, or that that I don't have enough um, uh, education or awareness of such a topic. But what I would say was uh, the future leaders come from, as, as the one man before that said, education. We need to be aware. We need to. Um, we need to be aware on current topics. We need to form our own opinions. And we need to take our freedom, the, the freedom that we have now, the freedom of individuality, all that stuff, 
when you do something about it. I know one of the presenters was talking about materialism and all that thing, and I completely agree. Everything today is about in, uh, materialism, individualism, all that stuff, but what are we doing with it? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Alistair. And uh, while we we comment on uh, the calls that we've had, I think one of the other things that uh, seems to be missing a lot uh, when it comes uh, to today is activism. Mm. But what is activism? Activism is being concerned about uh, the community you live within, uh, the situations, things that uh, you have mentioned uh, yeah. before. And it doesn't seem, and individualism also crops in there because uh, you realize that people say, this is not affecting me, so uh, yeah. it's far away from me. True. The reason I'm asking what is activism, because now with the rise of social media, what we see more of is click activism, where people think that by retweeting Black Lives Matter or, um, you know, bring back our girls, that is, you know, effective activism. But being an activist is getting dirty. Being on the ground, if there's a march somewhere, being there, if there's a petition out there, if there's a letter to the presidency, just being present, like the, the gentleman said on the phone call, and just being active daily. But, but with regards to, 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 to what has been said uh, by uh, the callers, uh, Roy firstly mentions that uh, ambition needs to be there. Uh, Sig uh, talks about uh, grooming, which is quite uh, an important thing because mm. uh, they have to have role models and people uh, that show them the way. Yeah. Um, I liked what the caller said about we are obsessed with the future. Um, obsessed with future leaders. Um, I think he's correct because the average age of a South African today is 24 years old. So young people are not supposed to lead tomorrow. They're supposed to lead today because there's an urgency for them to lead today because who else is going to lead? We are the majority. So we need to focus on the present, on how are we making young people lead today in their schools, in their communities, um, in, in their provinces and in the country. Are there programs in place and opportunities for young people to lead? So I think that is presently, that should be the question that the country is, should be concerned about. And I'd just like to touch on education. I think the gravity of our problems in South Africa clearly demonstrate that our policies in education, in social development, in other spheres as well, are clearly unworkable. And we've had many, many policy rethinks. Uh, on the education front, our education system does not adequately prepare young people for the labor market we need to diversify our focus from I think academia to technical training because mm -hmm. technical training is very important it will provide a reliable stream of technically skilled staff and ease off the pressure of unemployment and I have to re reiterate that education is the number one driver of social mobility uh, yeah, there was a question, uh, there, were, okay, there was a point mentioned by Roy, which is a very crucial point in why Africa is not progressing. Uh, he, he spoke about the link between leadership and access to resources. And this is one of the biggest problems that we, we face in Africa because uh, usually people fight to be in leadership positions because by being in the leadership position, we have got access to, to state resources. And you can develop patronage and you can have that house with a swimming pool and the like simply because we are part of the leadership of the state machinery. And that has been one of the serious um, problems uh, in the Africa, even the civil wars that we have experienced in the African continent. Partly they have been a result of that. 
it, it, I think it's the same thing that we see in some regional leadership conferences in this country where people tend to throw chairs into one another and hate each other simply because they want to be in leadership positions without necessarily being leaders, but by being in that position, they've got access to control and distribution of resources. And I think if we're going to look into the present uh, as a way of establishing a better future in terms of leadership, those are one of the issues that we need to look into. Now, here is uh, food for thought, uh, and uh, this is from Wekezi of the family, Mukele. It's uh, one of the Facebook comments. Uh, in fact, uh, two of those Facebook comments uh, ve- make for very interesting observations. Young leaders of tomorrow are any ed- uneducated politicians who will sell their souls to the global banking cartel and the fraudulent justice system. I personally don't see future leaders under the rule of ANC. We need people who are not mentally institutionalized about lies we find at our universities. Now, Confion Mabena says, I'm afraid we can't trust any young or even old people to make critical decisions for our country. The outside forces in the form of multinationals have and always will determine the outcome of any country. I mean, can you explain for one the ever-widening gap of inequality? You think it's by chance? No, sir. Look, uh, Brian, we are living in an open society with various contestations. There are always contestations. Um, I'm sure as the four of us are here in the studio, we might have 10 different views on one issue. The difference is the influence that we wield. So the challenge that young people have today for me is not to wish these foreign, even domestic influences away, but to have the ability and the capacity to deal and manage them and rise above them. Just in uh, closing, uh, you did mention that uh, the youth uh, of uh, prior to 1990, they had a lot to, they had nothing to lose, and so they gave their all. But uh, there's quite a lot to lose now because we have a democracy, and uh, uh, shouldn't uh, we be galvanized uh, to actually try and uh, protect what we have? Yeah, but the problem, Ike, is that most of those are privatized these days. So if I'm unemployed, rather than me thinking about 200 other people that are not employed, it's largely about the individual. Uh, and for me, we, we, that's the challenge that we have, is to rise be above individualism. That's when the collective good comes in. That's when the activism that uh, you, know, you guys are talking about comes in. But until we deal, um, you know, I was reading this book that says, the problems of society are not necessarily institutional. They're, it's about the mindset of the people. And that's what we need to change. In closing, we have uh, the threat of <coughs> a failed state. Can we afford that? <laughs> um, so are you asking me if South Africa is a failed state? That's right. Not yet. Uh, I don't... I <laughs> not yet, but our inequality levels uh, are high. Um, I don't think... That we, we there's a there's a threat. Looking at the kind of waves that young people are making today, uh, whether it is in business, in politics, in academia, young people are rising up. But like I said, they are not organized and they are working in silos. I'm hoping that this year we'll see more young people um, unite and work for a common goal. Because as Jay Naidu says, um, young people unite or die. So light at the end of the tunnel, do you agree with that? I think we're not yet a failed state, but if things don't change, we're definitely heading there. 
I think, uh, for example, in education, again, our government spends 20% of its national budget on education, and yet the results that we see are not what they need to be. We have curriculum changes all the time. I think there needs to be the, the certain kind of political will and, and, and educational expertise as well as the, the pooling together of resources to fix the education problem. And for young people who are not in school, who are not in jobs, I think the army would also need to in, enlist them. I think it, it needs to be compulsory to get the young people off the street, enlist them into, into the army. It's broken into three spheres, the Air Force, the Navy and the Army. Um, they can be recruited into the military skills development system and they can learn some form of discipline there, at least for a year. I think if we, if we, if we use that tact, we will get close to 300,000 young people off the streets. Um, and again, technical training should be the backbone of our society. Well, let me thank you very much uh, for being our guest today on uh, the question, who are the young leaders of tomorrow? Dumisane Klope, Research and Chief Executive Officer of Gunjalo Center for Development Research. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Tato Mereki, columnist and founder of African Youth Secretariat, a youth empowerment and social development organization, as well as Simam Gele Lagavu, who runs a social enterprise uh, aimed at developing rural and township youth in South Africa, is uh, a television producer as well. My name is Ak Patha. Thank you very much uh, for tuning in and thanks to the production team.